2: Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. at and
3: Hey, it's Doug Gottlieb. You know our trusted partner, Tyrac.com, for fast, free shipping, free roadhouse protection, convenient installation options and their great selection of the best tires like the highly consumer rated goodyear assurance weather ready but did you know they sell other automotive products wheels brakes suspension just to name a few everything you need to elevate your drive simply go to tire sports Tirerack.com. rack.com sway tire buying should be
4: if you love sports and true crime then there's a new podcast from executive producer dan patrick
3: Boom! What up, America? Doug Gottlieb show, Fox Sports Radio. Holy cow! Is that loud? Um, that's really, really, really loud. I'm in an empty arena. Uh, this incredible new building at James Madison University. It's called the Atlantic Union Bank Center. I'm in. Uh, I'm. I'm actually in the arena. I'm not courtside. I'm like uh, the second level, and I just gave my boom. What up, America? And I'm telling you that the 15 or so people who are getting ready for the CAA championship game, which I'll broadcast on radio, all just turn around and we're like, who is that crazy person? I'm that crazy person. I'm Doug Gottlieb. Uh, We got a lot to get to today. First, let me tell you, we're coming to you from uh, the Farmers Insurance Fox Sports Radio Studios called 888 Farmers. And uh, you could start saving money. On auto insurance today. We
5: are farmers. Bum, ba, da, bum, 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 bum.
3: All right, uh, where do you think we're going to start? Where do you think we're going to start? Ah, yeah, Dak Prescott, four years, 160 million max value. Max value. Um, max value is 164, 66 million in a signing bonus. It's the highest in NFL history. $126 dollars guaranteed. That's second behind Pat Mahomes, ninety five million guaranteed, seventy five. You know he gets paid up front in year one. Highest paid quarterback uh, salary per year. That's Mahomes, then Prescott, then Watson, then Wilson, then Rogers. First year cap it is only twenty two million. Obviously would have been thirty seven if he was uh, if he was tagged. He has a, a no tag provision and no trade clause. That means at the end of this thing, in four more years, he will be an unrestricted free agent. When Dak hits free agency, Mahomes will have eight years left in his deal. Of course, uh, Mahomes' deal is backloaded, but he's going to be a chief for life from 2016 to 2019. It's important to point out that because of where he was drafted, he only made 2.7 million, and then of course he made 31.4, so 34 or so million over the first four years of his contract, and now he'll make 75 in year one. That's, that's a good year. So I, I guess what we're supposed to say is, well, they're evening up for the wrongs of the past. This is a ridiculously terrible contract. There is nothing about this contract which is good for the Dallas Cowboys. Zero. Anyone who says otherwise is completely in the bag for players. It's a joke it's so bad. It wouldn't be so bad if there were additional non-voidable years, essentially two voidable years at the end. If if there weren't, it wasn't the chance. He's going to be a free agent in four years. It's a five-year deal, and then he's done. He's out on the street. So either you're overpaying for an average quarterback, which is what I think they're doing, okay? Or you're paying commensurate with a star quarterback who age-wise would be still in his relative prime when he's up. Like what part of this is a good deal? And of course, we told you this would happen going back two years ago because this is Jerry Jones, you know. And I love the well. Yeah, they're going to sign a new TV deal, so it's going to help the salary. It's not about salary cap. If if I if I ask you right now, gun to your head, right? Pat Mahomes or Dak Prescott? Is anyone on earth picking Dak Prescott? If I ask you right now, Russell Wilson or Dak Prescott, is anyone on earth picking Dak Prescott? If I ask you right now, gun to your head, is anyone picking him over Aaron Rodgers? The answer is no. Uh, And Deshaun Watson, frankly, I I mean, no. You know, I have Deshaun Watson. I've pointed out the flaws of Deshaun Watson. Okay, now after we get past that, then we have some of the younger quarterbacks. Right, but between the Kyler Murrays of the world, okay, the Baker Mayfields of the world, the Lamar Jacksons of the world, right? And if you want to sit there and tell me that Lamar Jackson's only won one playoff game, that's fine. I would point out that's one more playoff game than Dak Prescott has won, and one more MVP. Dak Prescott's good, he's a good leader. They found a diamond in the rough, but this. I guess we got to sign him and I guess we got to get like congratulations to Dak and his age and everything. They want everything, everything, but there's no part about this deal other than for the next four years. You have him because, Oh yeah, yeah. By the way, how good have the last two years been? Well, two years ago, you know, yeah, had number one offense in football. Like bro, they didn't score against the good teams. They loaded up against the absolute bottom dregs of the league. The only good part, I guess, is that if he's really bad, in four years it'll all be over. And most of that money is paid up front. that That's, I guess, the problem is that when you pay the signing bonus up front and you lower the cap number up front, that means the cap number is huge in the back. I, I just, if I'm the cap, like, the cap, yes, what did you get? Yes, considering the cap is lower this year than last year. It gives you a little bit of cap flexibility. Congratulations. But 21% of your cap is still going to a quarterback who couldn't win the worst division in football two years ago when the worst division in football had to be won. Did not beat a team with a winning record for the last year and a half. Hasn't happened. And I don't put everything of winning and losing on a quarterback, but you can't beat one of them. Not one, not a single one. And then the the question is, does everybody understand, including Dak Prescott and including Cowboys fans and including those championing this deal, what comes with this sort of contract? If, I said this yesterday in regards to all the free agents, the older players that are out there, you judge people based upon how much money they make. Right. It's the old parade magazine thing. You know, every once a year they had the parade magazine, what he make thing, you know, and you sit there and you're like, are you kidding me? Guy delivers mail in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and he makes 70 grand a year. Yikes. A Librarian in uh, Tupelo, Mississippi, makes 20. How about this one in New York City? How do you live as a plumber on 40 grand? Like, you know. Dak Prescott getting the biggest signing bonus in NFL history. Guess what? Now, now we expect you to actually win those games. that To this point, you have not won. Man, I won. Go back last year. Go back last year. They, we were not scoring early. They were scoring when they were behind late. Congratulations. You had the one miracle comeback win over the Atlanta Falcons. They were in the worst division in football, and they weren't in a good place when he got injured. And I'm not a Dak hater. I'm just a realist about it. He's Kirk Cousins. And a lot like Kirk Cousins, he got a great deal. It's just m- much better financially than Kirk Cousins' deal. Um, I, I, I just sit here and go like, I don't understand. I mean, I guess I understand because it's Dallas, but I understand for Dallas. Now, here's the other part to it. Okay? One, there's, are we, do we understand that when you make this much money, guys are going to, you're judged completely differently? When you make this much money, nobody cares how many yards you have. Nobody cares about anything other than you better win football games. And they're still in a crummy division. The same crummy division they've been in the last two years, and they haven't done kiss in despite all this big-name talent, all this money lopped in. And, oh, yeah, by the way, good luck, fu- facing, uh, f- uh, good luck fixing your defense and fixing your offensive line when you have so much money at wide receiver, Amari Cooper, quarterback, Dak Prescott, running back, Ezekiel Elliott. Have fun. But here's the other part. Imagine, just imagine that they have a bad start to the season and they have a bad year again in Dallas. And imagine if a year from right now, Dak Prescott wants to be traded and won't play ever again. How would people feel? Do you know who I give you? I... I, I I give you Deshaun Watson. So there's a lot to dig into. I understand that we all have this thing where we hate the man, right? We don't like commissioners. We don't like leaders. We don't like presidents. We don't like owners. We don't like Goodell. We don't like whatever. So I guess it's just another case of, hey, we're sticking it to the man. But when you hear these names and I say, well, Pat Mahomes, the highest paid guy in football, you're like, yeah, that makes sense. Well, Russell Wilson is now the third half. You're like, that doesn't make sense. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, is that, that makes sense. Dak Prescott's never been in the conversation for an MVP, nor should he be. Show me the postseason success. Show me the big game success. Show me the plays in which Dak Prescott makes that no one on else, or, uh, else on earth can make. That's what Russell does. That's what Deshaun does. That's what Aaron Rodgers does. That's what Pat Mahomes does. They know they, they, th- he is a very good, sturdy car, by the way. He's coming off a debilitating injury where he didn't play half the year last year. But they didn't make the playoffs the year before. And it was his team. And he had plenty of weapons. And he put up plenty of yards, just not plenty of points against the good teams. All right. This is Bucky Brooks on our show last week. Take a listen.
6: I think they mismanaged this from the jump. They should have signed him to a long-term deal a couple years ago, because now that deal would have looked like peanuts. But now the leverage is all on Dak Prescott. It's all on his side, because the franchise tag guarantees that he'll make thirty-seven million dollars next year. He'll be guaranteed forty-five on a tra- on a transition tag and fifty-four on a, an exclusive franchise tag. The Cowboys have to find a way to do a long-term deal with him, but they're going to have to do it on his terms. There's no incentive for him to cage a man. So it's going to have to be a deal that's over forty million dollars annually and then they gotta figure out if they wanna give him a five year term because when the T V money kicks in, he and his representatives know they don't want to do a deal that ages out quickly. So this is gonna be a very expensive deal for the Dallas Cowboys to be able to retain him going forward. I think they have to do the deal because what would that team looked like without him offensively.
3: They are much better team within a quarterback. Hmm. Well, uh, Bucky was right. They overpaid. He. They felt like he had leverage. I did not. I. I. I feel like you could have used the franchise tag. You could have allowed him to become an outright free agent. And there. There wasn't that money. Isn't actually on the market. That's the crazy part about it. Is we all operate under this under this auspice? Like, oh, he would have gotten he would have gotten a bigger deal than that on the market. Of course, he wouldn't have. Instead, they sign him to a four-year deal, which is essentially five years counting last year, which is what they wanted, but they can't tag him at the end of it. That's not a good contract. For the Cowboys. Congrats to Dak. Absolutely won the negotiation.
5: Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
8: It's Doug Gottlieb, show live from the Farmers Insurance Fox
3: Sports Radio Studios. Call 888-FARMERS-TO-SWITCH and you can save an average of $470 on auto insurance. It's a lot of money for a quick phone call, don't you think? Average nationwide annual savings survey data July to December 2020. We are
5: Farmers. Bum, 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 bum.
3: Uh, there's a lot going on, obviously, in the world of hoops. Uh, it looks like the Brooklyn Nets will get a second second player off the uh, off the buyout market, a second player. Um, Formerly overpaid player off the market. We also have, you know, players tagged in franchise tags. Chris Godwin, Allen Robinson, kind of a surprise one. Leonard Williams of the Giants. Uh, Brandon Sh- uh, Sheriff of, uh, of the uh, Washington football team. Cam Robinson, their big O tackle. Taylor uh, Moten of the Carolina Panthers. And Marcus May of the Jets, all, all tagged. Hunter Henry's going to become a free agent. So is Kenny Galladay. Hassan Reddick of the, the Cardinals. Uh, so, uh, Aaron Jones w- won't be tagged. He'll be a free agent. Obviously the Packers prepared for that. That's why they, that's why they drafted AJ Dillon last year. So I, I think there's a lot of stuff going on here, but the, the, the biggest signing was the Dak Prescott contract. And f- thankfully, I guess, finally, our national sports radio nightmare is over I most of most parts of me didn't talk about it as much as everybody else did because it was a formality. He was going to be the quarterback of the Cowboys this year and stop me. If you heard this before, but Jerry Jones relented and overpaid and gave a player friendly contract to one of his star players. I guess the only difference is Dak never sat out, never missed anything, never stuck his heels in the dirt on, uh, you know, although he, he missed most of this year with a a broken leg suffered in a game. Clarence Hill covers the Fort Worth star telegram. He joins in the Doug Gottlieb show on Fox sports radio Clarence, what do you think of the deal?
9: You know, I, I think it's a situation where both sides got exactly what they wanted, and they have said they wanted, you know, going back from the beginning. And it took some time to get there. And, yes, the Cowboys could have got him cheaper. You know, Cowboys could have got Dak Prescott got signed for $30 million two years ago. You know, they could have got him signed for $35 million last year. They didn't, at that time, didn't want to set the market or whatever else. Uh, they allowed the market to be set for them. But at the end of the day, Jerry Jones has never lost a player that he wanted to keep. And he wanted to keep Dak Prescott, and Dak Prescott wanted to stay with the Cowboys. And smartly, he and his agent saw the market for what it was, saw the market for where it's going, and they got what they wanted.
3: Yeah, I, I think the part that's stunning is that he'll be a free agent at the end of four years, right? That there's no... That they can't tag him at the end of four years. And granted, that would be after being, you know, quarterback for eight years. Uh, But that's the part where I felt like he really, you know, the Cowboys, the only thing they got was essentially five years from last year, which is what they wanted, but they overpaid for that, that, that time. And then, and then the, the, no, the no ability to tag him at the end of it, I think to me is just a sign of how dominant Dak and his agent were in this deal. Yeah, no
9: doubt. No doubt. And, 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 again, if, if Cowboys could have got him cheaper last year, if they would have said no tag at the end of the contract, he would have signed the, the five-year deal for $34 million or $34.5 million last year, you know, but, but they wouldn't do that. And then they, you know, and, and so he had played on the tag and they let the market jump again. You know, they the market marking jump two or three times as, as, as the Cowboys were, were, were doing their thing, but let's not feel sorry for Jerry Jones. Okay. He has the richest team in sports, you know, and, 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 I tell you what, you know, while Dak on paper won the deal, it's not like Jerry lost because he also understands the new TV contracts are coming down the pike and they will be uh, probably hitting with billions, hundreds of billions of dollars going to league coffers when Dak is free again and the Cowboys and the cap is going to go up and the Cowboys are going to have more money and they will be free to negotiate. So, yeah, he'll be free. No, 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 uh, uh, tag at the end of the deal, but the Cowboys also have the ability to extend him, uh, and if he's who they think he is, who he, he thinks he is, they will be satisfied and and, and glad to extend him again and, and have him make more money than Patrick Mahomes ever dreamed of making. And that's the crazy part of the deal for Dak, is that he potentially can make way more than Patrick Mahomes is going to make on this 10-year deal uh, that he signed for $450 million.
3: Here's the crazy part. Do you think he's anywhere in the in the solar system of Pat Mahomes as a player?
9: No, but 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 again, you know, you know, I, those are like trap questions, you know. And I've been talking to people. Well, he doesn't deserve this because he's not that player, and and he's not as good as that guy. He doesn't deserve this. That's never how this thing is gone, you know. You you know, and you go back to when when uh, uh, Matt Stafford was the highest paid player, or when. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo was was made the highest-paid player by annual salary, you know, after seven starts, you know, or, or, you know, you go back. It's The next guy gets the most money is based on the market. And pretty soon, and, they, and it's probably going to be very soon, Josh Allen and all these other guys are going to go black. They're going to blow Dak Prescott's contract out of the water. That's how it is, especially when this money jumps in the company. You look at the contract that – that your boy in Cincinnati is probably going to get if he's who we think he is, and 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 uh, the quarterback in Arizona is going to get, you know, if he who if he's who we think he is, and certainly, you know, uh, w- with uh, the Clemson quarterback going to Jacksonville, the money's only going to get higher and higher. And we can't get into the, the this whole game of of he doesn't deserve this because he's not better no, than no, that I, guy. That's I, I, never how this game is gone. Do you think Byron Jones, former Cowboys cornerback who went to Miami last year with the second best? contract for a cornerback is the second-best cornerback in football. He wasn't even the best cornerback on his team, but the market says he deserves that. So that's kind of how this thing has always worked. It just worked in Dak's favor this time.
3: No, I, I understand. I, I guess the problem is what it does to hinder them in the short term in terms of fixing the team, right? Like, no matter what you think of Dak, it's pre, it's, it's kind of inarguable. they got to fix that defense and that offensive line has aged and it's not the same it's not the same wall that it was when he won 13 games, you know, his his first year in the league, and and like I I think in many ways Zeke screwed this whole thing up, right? Because kind of he hopped in line with his little mini holdout, caused them to redo that deal, and I think the progression of events that they wanted to do was they wanted to get Dak done then, and then and then get Zeke, and then maybe tag Amari or figure out how to kind of work it that way, and they couldn't do it because of. Uh, b- because they they kind of went out of order a little bit um but what about what about the rest of the team how do they go about fixing yeah, let's,
9: it yeah let's talk about that you know and, and that's really one of the, the, the things that the cowboys actually put out there uh uh when they were talking about you know not doing the deal and trying to get a team we, we got to have money to other guys well let's look at the contract he is a team friendly 22 million against the cap this year okay they have plenty room to fix other guys we're talking about a year in which the cap is lower because of the COVID-19 reduction. His his cap, he had is 22.5 million, which is less than it would have been on the franchise tag. They actually have a greater ability to sign other players now than they would have. They put the tag on, or they would have. They resigned last year, and it's because. Of their creative ability to create this contract. And, and, and that's the thing about it is it's, it's always been you can make these numbers look how they want. They got a four year deal, $160 million, but also got two dummy years on the end to manage to, to spread out the cap hit and spread out the numbers so it's manageable for them to put players around them. The Cowboys have the ability, have the money to put players around Dak Prescott. The question is will they? Their problem is the Cowboys have not made good decisions on picking players and adding players to this team. They had Dak Prescott for four years at the, uh, the best contract in sports and did nothing to improve the team around them. They went on in free agency and bargain basement shop. They did not do anything to improve that team. You go back to 2016, his rookie year, when they were 13-3, and three, and look at what they did to improve that team, nothing. And that's a year in 2017 when they knew Zeke Elliott was going to miss games uh, you know, with his court battle with the NFL. They just say we're gonna run it back, you know. And we got Dak on the team, we got Zeke on the team. We're gonna run it back, you know. On these rookie deals, they did nothing to improve that team. So I, I can't feel sorry for the Cowboys in the situation. to Say, well, they paid Dak, now they can't improve the team. Well, were they gonna do that anyway?
3: Um, yeah, yeah, they, they 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 probably were. But again, and I understand what you're saying about the, the cap, but the cap also went down. Like there's there's a litany of of, of issues with it. Um, Okay, so <laughs> what what does this – how good is this football team w- what, when they're done with it?
9: Well, I mean, again, I, I, I think they have room to uh, improve in the draft, improve in free if they want to. They have – you know, the Cowboys and don't really go out and spend a lot of outside free agency. But with Dak back, with this offensive line and some of those guys are getting back help, this offense will, again, be uh, one of the top offenses in football. They will – Again, be even with that defense, the best team in the NFC East, uh, Dak has had a winning record since he's been in the league. He's had two uh, division titles, been to the playoffs twice. I think they should be back in the playoffs by the NFC East. And the question is, how much better can they get defensively to take that next step? That is not just on Dak, but it's also on the coaching and the GM of uh Again, improving the players around them and and being better on defense than they were last year. They had the worst defense in the league last year, one of the worst defense in the history of the organization. They have to be better on defense.
3: Okay, uh, but what about the idea that that now he's being judged as a hundred plus million dollar quarterback, right? Like before, oh, no, he no, go ahead. No
9: doubt, to 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 head to head wear the crown. You know, we're go. Yeah, I'm a reporter. You're uh, you know you do radio. Well, we're not gonna. He's no longer Dak Prescott, the best bargain in sports. He's Dak Prescott, the second-highest-paid player in football. He's Dak Prescott, the highest-paid player in Cowboys history. You know, you have to, you know, the goal is to win. When you get paid that kind of money, the goal is to win. But the same thing is for Deshaun Watson and everybody else.
3: Hey, man, great stuff. Uh, Always fascinating to catch up and talk about the Cowboys. Now we can talk about something other than Dak Prescott's uh, uh, needs in terms of a new contract. Thanks for being our guest on Fox Sports Radio. No problem, guys. Thank you, man. That's Clarence Hill, Fort Worth Star-Telegram. Follow him on Twitter, at Clarence Hill
5: Jr. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific.
8: there are things in
3: sports which are unique which are you know and the the island green is one of them running down the hill you know at clemson into death valley touching howard's rock that that's another one right that's that's absolutely positively another one no one knows that better than jackson carmen of course a massive offensive tackle getting ready for the nfl draft out of clemson he joins us in the doug gottlieb show on fox sports radio now a couple months removed jackson uh what, what's it like to have played your last game in Death Valley, but you didn't have the, the normal fans? You didn't have, you know, what, what you're used to having. Does, did, did any of that take away from all you guys accomplished this season?
11: So first of all, I appreciate you guys for having me on taking the time. Secondly, I really believe that my time at Clemson was filled with so many different just amazing and just once-in-a-lifetime experiences. And even this year, with the limited fans we had, compared to other stadiums and teams that we traveled to, it was still second to none. And I think being at Death Valley and being able to play my last game in Death Valley is something I'll always be able to cherish and remember.
3: Um, obviously, for people who know you're an Ohio kid, you almost went to Ohio State. You went to Clemson. Three years later, good call? Great call. Why? What? What? What, what about it? For somebody who hasn't lived your life, what about it? Uh, what about it was a great call?
11: I was able to have a very rare college career as far as winning a national championship, playing in the national championship, winning three consecutive ACC championships, going undefeated at home, and just a lot of different things that we got to do as a team that was just, I feel, really special. And more importantly than that, the relationships I was able to make while I was there are going to last me a lifetime.
3: Fair enough. Okay, so... um... As you prepare for the draft, like what do you have to show people? I mean, you have you're awesome on tape. Obviously, all your measurements. Like when when people have questions about you at the next level, what do they come across as?
11: For me, what I'm just gonna have to show is just my ability to be able to be a smart football player, an explosive and powerful football player, and just show that I'm a well-rounded and polished individual, being able to be ready for the next level.
3: What's Trevor like?
11: Trevor is a great person and a great player and really can't say enough about him. Everything you see is what you get and even more. And I'm glad to be able to call him my friend.
3: Yeah, no, it's interesting. Then he missed those two games obviously with the COVID thing. And DJ, who of course is gonna he's gonna be there like dude that kid that kid's impressive too.
11: Yeah, definitely. DJ's amazing. He's a monster as people are calling him.
3: Yeah, is he is he is he taller than
11: you? He's about right about a uh, right
3: about the same height. Wow, Jackson Maybe Carmen joining, Florida. Jackson Carmen joining us on the Doug Gottlieb show on Fox Sports Radio. Um, now you have like these workouts, you have Zoom calls. Uh, in terms of your prep, how do you prep for for everything that you're going through now? Because it's, again, it's a different process with no combine. What's the prep been like for this process? Just
11: like everything that we've had to do this year because of covid and all the different implications just being able to be able to adapt and to be able to adjust to different things and that year this year is mostly comprised of zoom meetings and different things online and having to be just really able to just to do whatever you, it needs to do whatever it takes to be able to perform and that's in front of teams on the board zooming or whether that's being able to work out record workouts and just being able to train and just be prepared in every aspect
3: you guys had you guys had a run of people getting COVID in the preseason. I think those of us on the outside were like, "Well, are they going to do the herd immunity thing and just everybody get sick?" And that's not the way it, it took place. What was that like when so many guys were out?
11: It was very interesting.
3: Um, I kind of saw it coming. I've never got COVID, and I don't
11: ever plan to. And so I kind of stayed away from it when it was first all happening. But I think in retrospect, it was good for people to be able to learn
3: about it quicker because you guys because because so many cases so early on what was the experience like like would you guys now the facility like you guys have this unbelievable facility that people have seen but with this year was it did you they just like let the lineman in at once and then everybody else did it go by alpha alphabetical order like who got to go how did you use the facility and then what was that lifestyle like when you went back to your your apartment
11: So everybody was using the facility, but everything was spaced out in the facility and that we were having constant um, COVID testing and temperature checking and everyone was wearing masks at all times in the facility and just doing everything we could to be able to protect ourselves.
3: And then food-wise, did everything have to be, you have to go take it back to your room? Could you guys eat it together? What was that process like?
11: The... The chairs in the Paul Bistro were all spaced out. And so if you had, they didn't recommend that you ate there, but if you had to, you're able to have your social distance eating. And a lot of the meals were made to be able to take home.
3: Did it make you guys feel closer to each other or did or or further apart because you couldn't have bigger gatherings?
11: Definitely closer together. I feel like all the adversity that we went through together as a team really brought us closer, and I feel like closer than we've ever been as a team in my experience at Clemson. And it was a really special experience because there's a point in the point in the off season where we didn't even expect to be able to play football. So just having that opportunity to be able to go out and do the things that we love was very special.
3: It's Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio. Super talented offensive lineman. Jackson Carmen, fresh out of Clemson, getting ready for the NFL draft, joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Okay, where do you wanna play? As far as what
11: NFL team I want to
3: go yeah, to? Yeah, like what location? Like you sit there and you're like, man, I can see myself with this team. I can see myself with this team. Honestly,
11: to be completely honest with you, I can see myself anywhere. I'm actually really enjoying and liking the mysterious and almost lottery-style aspect of not knowing where I'm going. And I feel like I'm the type of person that can adapt to any location in the city. So I'm very interested to see where I go.
3: All right when you are you going to fly where you go are you' going to drive like do you have a plan I'm going to get an apartment I'm going to have family come stay with me like do you have a whole plan set together?
11: Yes, I do, and depending on whether and where I'm going and how far it is from where I'm located, are you going to be driving or flying and my family will be able to make adjustments as well
3: uh, dog cat do you have do you have a pet
11: I had a dog of 16 years, suggest we had to put down last November, Max. So,
3: rest in peace, Max. Man, RIP for Max. Max the Golden Retriever, yo, lab, black lab. What kind of dog?
11: Blue Murrow, black lab, Australian Shepherd Mix.
3: Oh, Australia. So, are you going to get a new one?
11: When I settle down, I feel like I have the time, yes.
3: Yeah, because you can't get a puppy, right? And then you got a house training, you got to work, you know, other, other things. But, new city, some companionship. Um, right that right. you know and maybe you have maybe you have family maybe they could get a new dog
11: right definitely a possibility
3: um most annoying teammate right like part of the thing is that you're around each other more which is a good thing but part of the t- part of the thing is sometimes your friends they annoy you most annoying teammate come on sell them, out, sell them
11: out sell them out sell them out honestly i could not name one i'm gonna be completely honest with you i don't have a most uh-huh. annoying teammate all my teammates are special and very unique individuals in their own right, and I enjoy
3: being able to learn all about all of them. Uh, all right, well, listen, Jackson, we can't uh, can't wait to see where you go in the NFL draft. Thanks so much for joining me. Congratulations on a great run, three ACC championships, and a national championship at Clemson. And thanks for being our guest on Fox Sports Radio.
11: Really appreciate you having
3: me, sir. All right, no problem. Don't serve me. Don't ever serve. Don't don't you serve me? That's Jackson Carmen who uh, he'll be starting at, at, at tackle for an NFL, NFL team very, very soon.
5: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.
3: I have a podcast. It's called All Ball, um, mostly basketball. Uh, I've had TJ Hushman's on. I, I, most times, we'll talk a little bit of hoop, but a lot of times we just talk... About, uh, we just try and have somebody tell their basketball story, their basketball life. Ryan Odom is the head coach of UMBC. You're like, how do I know that? Uh, UMBC was the most famous 16 seed to beat the only 16 seed to be a one seed. They just, by the way, as the one seed lost in their conference tournament um, and to the eight seed. So there's kind of the world coming full circle. He's the son of Dave Odom. We talked about his background, his upbringing. We talked about a a lot of things, but I I wanted to share with you as we're getting ready for the NCAA tournament, I, I want to share with you kind of this one minute cut from Ryan Odom, hearkening back to that upset of Virginia.
7: I saw a bunch of guys that have been overlooked, including myself, that had an opportunity. And I felt like there was a reason that we were in that building what that reason was, I wasn't quite sure. I wasn't. I, I didn't necessarily think that we were going to win the game going into that. My speech to them prior to that game was a thankful one. I thanked those guys for bringing me and my family back to Charlotte, where I was let go. You know, I just said, look, you know, this business is extremely hard. In a lot of ways, we all have our own stories, right? Like, you go around the room, and it was just like a bunch of overlooked guys, you know, that had had that had a story. And I said, we're all here in this moment together. We've done this together. And you guys in particular have done this for me. And so I'm forever grateful, you know, for what you guys have done. Now let's go out there and just show everybody our passion and and belief in one another, you know, that we can compete with this team. You know, I, I, I shed some tears, I'll be quite frank with you, you know, while I was giving that speech and it was very emotional. You know, I think they appreciated that. They understood the message. And more than anything, they were ready. They knew they had an opportunity to make history, and so they wanted to go for
3: it. And that they did. That they did. Uh, it, it does, and it's the the whole thing is really remarkable. You know, his his dad was his assistant at Virginia when he was a kid. Like his first, you know, his, his dad was first a uh, head coach at Durham high school. And he's born. He doesn't remember that. Then he's an assistant Wake for He remembers a little bit of that. But when he first, his real memories were at the university of Virginia. Now he's playing Virginia. And then you circle back to the, the next year, last time we had NC tournament, Virginia comes back and wins the NCAA tournament. The very next season, that, that whole, like the, 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 the whole circular kind of nature of both stories, Odom's story and Virginia's story is it's almost too good a story to be true. To be true. Um, Byers, that like obviously numerically, that's the biggest upset. It didn't feel like an upset at the t- when it was the last five minutes were such a blowout. <sighs> it was just, you know, it wasn't like one of those like, oh, well, they won on a backdoor cut like Princeton against UCLA. It's very unique, correct, in how bad a beating it was. And, let's be honest, Virginia wasn't thought of as
10: one of those powerhouse teams, even though they were the number one seed, Virginia always got flack. Oh, it's Virginia. They're, they they were not thought of as a, a, you know, a Duke Kentucky, which is actually what I think made Georgetown Princeton. So great is because Georgetown was Georgetown and Georgetown at that time was huge. And it was, you know, Alonzo morning. And it like, that was that was all in that narrative at that time, and still makes that almost upset so great. But I do think that a little bit of the, yeah, the blowout aspect of it, how it was just like, all right, yeah, this is just this is going to happen, and you knew it
3: for a while. Uh, yeah, I had that kind of weird feel to it. It, it was a, a weird feel. Um, what it, outside of that game? What's your most memorable uh, NCAA tournament first round game?
10: Oh, jeez, I first round game is it I, I you may have forgotten but as in high school we would always travel to uh, it was kind of our spring break gift my mom was very kind and would take some friends from high school and we got to go to uh you know different ncaa tournament sites through uh throughout our time so you know we saw some really good games we actually saw the second round game with georgia tech and usc the james forest eight tenths of a second when they uh when they uh, they upset uh, USC and Harold Miner in Milwaukee, um, but the of the first round games, I go back to just a couple of years ago when Middle Tennessee just took it to Michigan State, like, like that was another game where they just kept the Spartans at arm's length, and yeah. and it didn't,
3: it, it didn't feel like it didn't feel like an upset. It felt like they no. were just the better team.
10: Yeah, exactly. And that was and that was such a bracket buster because everybody loved you know putting Michigan State in the final four, and that was uh, that was a big one. Was it Richmond Syracuse was uh, a yeah. another two fifteen. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, those stand out. I remember when Iowa State lost to Hampton in 2000 uh 2001 cuz it was off of it was the the next year when they just uh, missed going to the Final 4 and they lost
3: in uh, in Boise. So those those are the ones that stand out to me. Gavin's a lot younger. Gavin, your most memorable NCAA tournament moment's what?
1: Well, if it wasn't that game we just talked about with Virginia, I would say Georgia State over Baylor.
3: Oh. A few yeah. years ago. I had Baylor going very far in that game. Yeah. That was that was when um uh God, Hunter uh Hunter. off the stool, right? Ran yeah. off the stool because yep. he, he was, in that, hit. was, he was hit. in that re, he was in that one of those weird uh, I don't even know what that thing is called. Right, where you're wheeling around on one leg? Yeah, cuz he tore yeah. his Achilles, right? Yeah, he tore towards Achilles. So, uh that that I, that I definitely remember. I was actually in or on my way to Atlanta I think I was in Atlanta the second weekend. That thing—that's one of those that got played and played and played and played and played. Right? There was there was a ton. That was there was a there was a lot going on there. There were it's go ahead. I was gonna say there there were other like there were close
10: calls that you remember. I remember Purdue in the mid '90s, maybe '96, got pushed to the limit. I think by like a Western Carolina team. And so like so like it's like there have been pushes, but that's the thing about the Georgetown Princeton was. Not only was it the first time, but again, I just go back to how big of a deal it was with what Georgetown was at that time. And really, I guess, Doug, in a way of who Princeton was at that time, where, I mean, it was just, it it, it so stands out in just the drama. And that was before CBS had the rights, so it was still on ESPN. And, uh, you know, I remember I was
3: that I was at the Anaheim Hilton working out my strength coach at the time. And we all stayed. that Marv Murnovich. And we all stopped and went and watched and we just we watched the whole second half. And they really let that one get away. I thought they should have won that game. But it was, you know, you talk about two polar opposite styles, Georgetown yeah. pressing, very physical, and Princeton, that was the first we had really learned of the Princeton offense. Yeah.
10: And just again, you know, Alonzo Morning, you know, just don't know how big a name he was and John Thompson and just who they were. I mean, it was it, it's now, just
3: I don't one of those. think it was Alonzo Morning though. No, it was. I think it
10: was Pat Ewing. No, it was Alonzo Mourning. Was it? Yeah, because remember, Zo got Zoe went into the NBA in '92, but that was his freshman year. Because he also he had a free throw uh, to give them the lead at that time. Because Ewing was out in '85, and this was '89.
3: 1989, Princeton, Georgetown. Yeah. So I was I was 13 years old. Yeah, it was 1989. You're right. You're right. Um, where was it played? Um, it was in the Northeast.
10: Uh, I think it was, I think it was, I think it was Providence. I
3: think it was in Rhode Island. Nice. Yeah. Alonzo morning had 21 points, seven blocks, 13 rebounds. Nobody else had more. They had Bobby Winston and Mark Tillman had eight off the bench. Each had eight Charles Smith. That was the little point guard, right? Yeah. He had four, two of 12, Jaron Jackson, five. Dwayne uh, Bryant didn't score a point. John Turner didn't score a point. And uh, Bo Scrabus had 15 for for Princeton, mighty Princeton. And you think of Princeton, you're like, well, they must have shot a bunch of threes. They shot 16. Georgetown was one of 10 from three. It's like such a different sport. Now. Sure. And,
10: and, you know, the other thing that, that happened with the NCAA tournament is it was bound to happen that a 16 was going to beat a one, Doug, just for the simple fact of when you expanded it to... Uh, 68 teams and 68 schools the the four worst schools were always 16 seeds and you could usually decipher who those were but now with the first four happening you have six 16 seeds essentially and so really two of them are 15 seeds two of them are teams that likely would have been 15 seeds so 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 you're actually kind of in some instances when this changed had a 15 seed actually playing a one for how like the te- the 16 seeds that you had in previous years before the first four I think were a lot worse than some of the 16 seeds that you now get in the tournament.
3: Huh? I actually thought of it the opposite way, and I'll tell you why. We have you go back then, and there was you know 120, 130 Division One teams. Now there's 352 Division One teams, and so you're having those, those bottom 16 seeds are at the bottom of college basketball. And if you're any good in one of those low major leagues, you usually transfer up a level. So that, that, that would be my... Now, look, what, what should be pointed out is that Virginia didn't have... Uh, not just their... It wasn't necessarily their best player, but their most important player in terms of it. it gave them versatility. Right? And so the, an injury did play a factor. I think the three-point shot did play a factor. Um, but I, it's funny, I actually, and on the pod, on the pod, Ryan said, I thought we'd be a 15 seed to kind of help you out with, well, were they really, like a, were they under-seeded? And I'd say the answer is probably yes. I remember that's the same league as Vermont, and Vermont, of course, pulled off that, they pulled off one upset going back to Tom Brennan was their head coach, and they were, I think, a 14 seed that year that they took down Syracuse. But it's it's a really interesting way of look at it. I always thought there's less and less chance because there's more and more teams and still the same number of teams in the tournament. Yeah, I just I look at it, they stretched, you know, they stretched the
10: bracket around the 12 and 13 seeds essentially. Like it, th- you think that they stretched it at the bottom, but they you know, th- they really didn't. It's just kind of they they jammed everybody in the middle because they had to expand uh it that way. So I still think that the when it's easy to figure out the four worst teams, but now when you got to figure out that who the six are, you may get one or two of those wrong. And then you put them in, you know, a wrong spot and that's what you get. Or maybe there's just not six bad, you know, teams that are that atrocious. That should be 16 seeds. Mm.
3: Well, I mean, the the problem is, you know, they have the swack schools that are usually, uh, that's yeah. usually, uh, one of the teams and they don't want to put them in the first four every year, right? They try and volley. So, um, it's interesting. I've done some of those first four. I did those first four games once, one year, and I didn't think North Florida won, and I thought they were a pretty good club. And they were actually competitive for, for a bit. So there's a, there's a, a lot that kind of goes into it. Yeah, but it's funny you point out a Richmond. I remember that one. I remember Navy beating Syracuse, although that was in the second round. That's when they had a guy named David Robinson. Yeah. But they, they beat Syracuse in Syracuse, I believe. So did Richmond as well. You know? And, uh, I thought you, Richmond do, you remember the uh, Syracuse
10: right. in, uh, in Maryland. I thought that that was in, uh, I thought that was a, on, uh, a,
3: yeah, a, people, and people always yeah. make the parallel with like, Oh, well they played in Maryland. So it made it easier for him. Like, not really, not really, but what does happen. And he said this in the pod is, you know, you become, you become the home team. You become yeah. the favorite. You get to like the five minute mark and you got the the top seed down and, my second game, my, the, the first day, the second game I did for CBS was Gonzaga versus Southern. Everybody remembers Gonzaga losing to Wichita State in the, their second round game. Their mm-hmm. first round game was against Southern. And Southern was was leading with four and a half to go. And they bring the ball up the court. And, I, and everyone in Salt Lake City was standing up outside of the Gonzaga section and cheering for Southern. And I remember turning to... Spiro Adidas and go like, we're going to call the first 16 seed to ever win. And they, just, they couldn't hold on.
5: They, they couldn't hold on. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. If you love sports
4: and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss.